Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keuchel Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into a Labor Day edition of the Sox on Tap post game show. It's Johnny Nani, your resident Lance Lynn enjoyer, alongside my guy NWI Steve. Steven, how you doing this evening? Hey, yo, Jonathan, I am doing very well. It's always nice to actually set the tone for a West Coast road trip, a place that has historically not done the White Sox many favors over the last two decades. Go out there and get this first win. So, hey, let's have some fun tonight, baby. We are going to have some fun, Steve. Absolutely. Our guy, Lance Lynch, jumped, and sometimes things aligned. We, we were talking about something earlier today, and you had written an article about it, and we're going to let you dive into that on tapsportsnet.com. And it was all about Lance Lynn and tweaks to his pitch mix um, and how that is helping him have success over the better part of the past month. Uh, so, Steve, the floor is yours. Go ahead and explain all that and what we saw today out of the hand of Lance Lynn. Yeah, the basic premise for the column that I put out there today was the change to Lance Lynn's pitch mix, as you alluded to there, specifically leaning more heavily on the breaking ball, the curveball specifically, than we have seen from him during his White Sox tenure. And this is going back to a start against the Kansas City Royals on August the 3rd. So now we are at a seven-start stretch here where he has increased that curveball utilization, and it has had tremendous results for him. Um, now including this game against the Seattle Mariners here. And that was a testament tonight by the fact that of the 11 strikeouts that Lance Lynn got tonight, six of them were via the curveball. And it was also kind of kind of interesting and refreshing in a sense to know that Jason and Gordon were talking about that increased curveball usage early on in the game, talking about the increased whiff rate associated with that pitch. So it's nice to know that sometimes I can put something out there and know that I'm not a complete moron. Right. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Good feeling for you. But hey, it's great for us being able to watch Lanson because this is the guy that we've needed, right? We needed all year. Obviously got the late start due to his spring training injury. Um, and he, it was felt like kind of more of spring training uh, at the get-go uh, when he first returned to this team. And now you're seeing it, especially over the past month. I know it's been some uh, weaker opponents, uh, as you outlined in your post, uh, being the Royals multiple times, the Tigers once in there. Uh, but to see him improve, uh, that's massive for this team because they need it down the stretch if they're going to make a run here. You're absolutely right. The starting pitching, you know, has had some peaks and valleys throughout the course of the season, given the inconsistency that we have seen from Lucas Giolito uh, for almost the entire season. And then just Michael Kopech and his injury issues of late having Lance Lynn come back to being the guy that he was in the first half of last year, particularly being able to go out there every fifth day and provide them length. You know, he was able to go out there and cover 21 outs this evening here. That is very essential for this team going forward. And there's kind of this prevailing thought process that because of the timing of the knee injury in spring training and the fact that he missed the first two months of the season, that he theoretically should be getting stronger now 
during this last four-week run of the regular season and hopefully into an October run. So, so far it's playing out that way and looking pretty good. We obviously want to see a continuation of that. And tonight we we saw some really good shit out of uh, Lance and there was a lot of hashtag guts and nuts on display. Right. Yeah. Our guy White Sox sale in the comments. Make sure you're uh, jumping in here as well. Uh, go subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube and like uh, on Facebook and go into that live stream. Uh, drop your comments in there. Thank you for doing that, Sal. Uh, yeah. The, the guts and nuts on full display. Obviously the results there as well. Steve, uh, read off his line here. Seven innings, three hits, one run zero earned runs one walk 11 strikeouts and uh, the white Sox shared a, a stat and you talk about getting back to you know first half of 2021 lance lynn well this is his first 10 plus strikeout game since about april mid-april of last year so uh, that is just huge and cannot be understated enough um he, he put the white Sox in an excellent position to win uh today so steve uh let's get into the rest of the game here obviously lance lynn being the headliner here fear the beard uh, get your fear the beard shirts on tap sports that big cartel Dot com. Uh, we've got him uh, there. Uh, support the big fella going forward here. Looking like a good last month. But, Steve, it's time to talk about the rest of this game here. Uh, what wasn't all sunshine and rainbows uh, in this one? Obviously, well, let's talk about the run uh, that was allowed before we get to our offense here. And that was the Andrew Vaughn outfield experiment still, uh, you know, costing the White Sox here. The Andrew Vaughn in the outfield experience is something that um, can't come to an end soon enough. A routine fly ball that even a mediocre right fielder out there is camped under and um, doesn't allow to drop in front of them. So, you know, the sooner that Aloy Jimenez and I can't believe I'm about to say this, the sooner Aloy Jimenez and his sore legs are well enough for him to be out there so that you can, you know, shift you know, AJ Pollock or whomever into right field so that Andrew Vaughn can put the outfield glove away permanently will significantly help the Chicago White Sox from a defensive standpoint and, um, you know, put them in a much better position to win baseball games on a nightly basis. Cause this Vaughn thing just, it's, it's brutal at this point. I don't know what other word to use. It's tough to watch, Steve, and um, you're talking about obviously there's a Yaz pass ball in there, too, that um, also kind of uh, led to uh, that un run being unearned there that the Mariners scored in the second inning. But uh, we, we got a question here for, from our guy Sal in the comments. He says, experience or experiment for this? And this, I think this is a very cogent uh, question here because I had said experiment and then you had said experience in there, but it should have just been an experiment that was just very, you know, I don't think they ever should have done it, but whatever. They wanted to get his bat in the lineup. They had the log jam. So it's an, it experiment, have been an experiment that has turned then, into a really bad they, experience. Yes, right. I think that's the best way to describe it. So uh, hopefully that's coming to an end uh, in the near future. Although I'm not going to hold my breath for it because um, Eloy obviously just recently uh, came out of a game uh, due to those uh, sore legs. So we we, we will see. But uh, th that is how the Mariners got on the board early uh, in this one. But that was after A.J. Pollock uh, drove one out. Steve, they did the multi-home run strategy today because uh, Elvis Andrews, yes, had a little bit of help uh, via Mitch Hanniger, but uh, he hits one in the top of the third, and White Sox up 3-1 here. Ball go far, team go far. I've always said that the White Sox should be a lot like the Dodgers and the Yankees, and deploy the multi-home run strategy. They did it tonight, and look what happened. What happens when you out-homer your opponent, aside from, um, you know, that uh, game, 
you know, last week against the Kansas City Royals when they when they hit the three but still lost. Aside from that, normally you outhomer your opponent, good things are going to happen on full display today. So a lot of the talking points that we've touched on fairly frequently over the course of this season here came to fruition here. Amazing how all of that works. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about the guy who hit the second home run here today. Um, obviously, good to see AJ Pollock there for the first one. He got us on the board there, and he's you know probably going back into one of his hot spells here. That's nice. But I want to talk about Elvis Andrews, Steve, because this guy had himself a nice game. Had the home run, the two run shot, obviously, um, which entails Darby I and a run within there. Um, and then he also had the uh, diving sl- uh, sliding play uh, later in the game. Uh, very nice. He's Played some nice defense sense coming over here. A, I love using all Elvis reactions. Um, I'm a big Elvis fan myself. Um, and then B, uh, this is just exactly what they needed uh, with Tim Anderson out here. You know, that's really one of the fascinating things is when Tim went down the first time, they got Danny Mendick to step up and really play at probably the highest level that he has uh, to this point in his major league career. So Tim goes down. Again, looking at a five, six week injury, and you're thinking there's no way they're going to be able to catch lightning in a bottle twice. Well, it looks like that's happening right now. Look, Elvis Andrus is a veteran. This is a guy that has been in this league for over a decade. He's been on multiple pennant winning teams. He's been on teams that have been in the playoffs consistently. This is a winning player. This is a guy that knows how to play the game the correct way. You talk about the defensive aspects of it and how important it is, what he has brought to this team from that standpoint. Remember who he came up to the major leagues with and who his manager was at the time. When he came up with the Texas Rangers, Ron Washington was the manager of that club who is widely regarded as the best infield teacher and instructor in the entire major leagues. So this is a guy that you know has the sound defensive fundamentals that, frankly, this team has been lacking all season long here. So seeing him come in and just be a stabilizing force defensively, that's really all they needed him to do. But what you're getting from him offensively now, granted, still small sample size, less than 100 plate appearances, but he is helping this team on both sides of the baseball. And frankly, did anybody really expect that? I would say probably not, but getting it, I mean, that's just a huge boost for this team, knowing that they lost him. And I want to just think about the, um, you, you had talked about, you know, what did anyone really expect it? And especially at the plate, no, I expected him to come in and play some decent defense. I, I know enough about, you know, like you'd said, been around a while. We've seen him plenty of times when he was with the Texas Rangers, even most recently when he was with the A's and they came in and raked some havoc at uh, 35th and Shields um, at the end of July there. Um, but when talking about all this, Andrews, I know the numbers weren't extremely shiny. Right. Uh, you're talking about offensively uh, in terms of consistency, power production, any of that. Um, but it's very, very nice. And something the White Sox haven't had a lot of this year when something goes against the grain like that. Right. In our favor. Um, I feel like that's been few and far between this year. Uh, and it's just been a revelation. So it's about damn time we got some good luck with that, Steve. You are 100 percent right, because so often this team will. Go for guys on the scrap heat, and Rick Hahn will seemingly guess wrong far more than he guesses right. So between him, between Elvis Andrus and, and Johnny Cueto, I mean, those are those are two really big wins for, for this team this year that really nobody was anticipating and just the contributions that they've gotten from these guys. And Andrus, this has been only about a month right now at this point. But if they didn't have him producing at the level that he is right now, I mean – 
it's fair to say that this team probably wouldn't be within striking distance the way that they are right now. Yeah, you comment on that and, uh, from the comment section here. Uh, Sal, once again, chiming in, says Elvis uh, signing is going to get on an extension there. So I like that. Uh, that we got our guy. Can Matt you get Voodoo. an extension, though, when you have a lifetime contract working for Jerry yeah. Reinsdorf, though? <laughs> That's true. It'll get him some more brownie points, I guess. Uh, and then we get uh, for uh, our guy, Matt. Uh, he says, Romy and Jay Hayes should be the bench infielders uh, if Tim comes back. Yeah, uh, looking like that set up there. And obviously, you'd probably go Elvis Andrews over to second. I know they. Uh, I was listening a little bit on the radio. Uh, as I was in between locations watching this game. Uh, and that's kind of what Len Casper was hinting at there too. So um, we'll be interesting to see what happens, but we're still a little bit off from Tim. I don't think it would be until about the September 20th range if we're yeah. talking timelines there. So Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they talked about initially here was that September 20th then. And ironically enough, that is when the Cleveland guardians make their final appearance at 35th and shields for what is looking like is going to be a very crucial series now. Yeah, right. Uh, right, right in it here. We're right in the thick of things. Here it is uh, going to be interesting. To see how the rest of this season plays out. All right, Steve. Let's kind of run through the rest of the game here. Um, Sox did squander an opportunity in the top of the eighth, leaving runners on first and third. Um, Yaz, I think Steve, we need to just go out and talk about this because it was a ball deflected. He hit it pretty hard uh, at Carlos Santana to flex off. I think any, almost anybody except for Yaz in baseball probably gets the first on that safely. But he does not. What is he planting there? Corn, beans, what is it? Um, maybe, maybe he's borrowed some of the magical bean stalks from that he bought from his pal Jack. I, I don't know at this point. Um, it would be really fascinating to look and to see a foot race between Yaz, 50-year-old Paul Canerco, and uh Jim Tomey at this point, because I'm not sure that Yaz could win it. And that's pretty scary if we're going to be totally honest with yeah. ourselves. I, I, I got to shout out our guy, Tony, on tap. He, he had an ex excellent take on this. And he says, uh, d when that play happened, he at first convinced himself that Yaz was going to beat it just because of where the ball trickled. Then he was so slow that while he was still trying to make it down the line, he was able to change his mind and know that he wasn't going to make it all in the same time span there uh, just because uh, he has moving so slow there. So uh, that was a wasted opportunity for the White Sox. Luckily, it didn't bite him in the ass, although it got close, Steve. Uh, worried eighth inning. You get into this situation with Ty France, pinch hitting, uh, takes one deep to the warning track. A.J. Pollock able to make the catch out there. Then Liam Hendricks, things get a little dicey there. He does give up one run on a Crawford RBI single uh, in the bottom of the ninth, but uh, he's able to rebound and uh, record the strikeout there to end the game. Um, th this really felt like earlier in the season, even just a couple of weeks ago, th this is the game that slips away from the White Sox. I mean, we saw it in Baltimore, right? Right, and, you know, we can kind of start with that eighth inning, that ball to Ty France in the camera work was pretty shoddy on that because the way that thing came off the bat and with the camera angle, I thought that thing was going to the second deck. So I immediately was like, Oh my God, we're going to do this again. Um, and then, you know, the ninth inning happens, obviously Liam has his issues. One thing that I want to talk about that is not going to hit a box score and probably not going to be talked about a lot, but why the fuck is Adam Engel throwing that ball to the plate right there, allowing the winning run to get into scoring position right there? Right. Um, we need it, we need to have a serious conversation about Adam Engel right now because, you know, this is a guy that has historically been a quality defender, a guy that can play center field, play any corner position, and could provide some pop off the bat, particularly against left-handed pitching. He's not really providing any of those things right now. So unless something turns around here 
in the last month of this season, and this is obviously going to be a bigger picture thing for the offseason, we're reaching a point where I'm not sure what Adam Engel really does for this right. team at this point. Yeah, it, it, it's a very legitimate conversation to have, Steve, because uh, you need to look at who's bringing you value and who can be a situational player. Used to be the case with him, um, obviously. We, we know that. We know about his speed. We knew about his glove. Um, but that hasn't been, as of late, I mean, you talk about that uh, play in Baltimore, uh, with the game that I just referenced uh, with things slipping away for them down there. Um, yeah, that was a routine play that he's not able to make there. You get the throw today. Um, so I'm sure some of that's on coaching as well. I think Devo probably shoulders some re- responsibility when we're talking about those sorts of things, because it hasn't just been Adam angle when you're talking about kind of lack of fundamentals, uh, in those areas, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's a legitimate question. I think there's some decisions to be made there and he Right now, we're talking about it. I'm not going to go and say the, the, the P word too much, but if you got to that point and you need to trim, um, he might be a guy that's left off that roster. Yeah, I I don't really disagree here just because, again, I'm not sure you know, what he's given you at, at this point. Um, and that really sucks to say because if you go back and you think about 2020 and just what he was able to provide this team against left-handed pitchers, let's remember, he hit a huge home run in game one of that series against Oakland that year. So for him to kind of fall precipitously the way he has, and obviously he was injured for a good portion of last year, but this season it's just been it's just been one calamity after the other with him, unfortunately, and he's not providing you value on either side of the baseball. And that's really troubling. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I will say I do need to, uh, as we went and just piled on him, ragged on him, and there, there's been plenty of that uh, and much of it warranted. He did make a routine catch, which, Hey, that's, progress in my book uh, compared to what happened out in left field in Baltimore. He did make one in the uh, ninth inning uh, in right field. So uh, we'll leave the Adam angle one off on kind of like that, uh, I guess, small little tiny bit of uh, positivity there. Um, and let's talk the end here. It's Steve, man. Um, Liam Hendricks has nasty stuff, but dude, it, it gets, it gets worrisome at times. Um, like I said, it feels like this is one that would have slipped away a couple of weeks ago. Um it's really interesting to me because there's sometimes where Liam looks like he has it under control, but I feel like for, and I'm not, and you go and look at numbers. I know he's been the AL reliever of the year the past couple of years, but it's dude, it's hard on the heart sometimes to watch it. You know, it's fascinating that you talk about that because we had that stretch um, leading into and shortly after the all-star break where he had retired, I think it was 18 or 21 consecutive hitters. At one point, so he'll go through these periods of just sheer dominance where he's locating everything with his fastball and with his breaking ball. And you look like you just have no chance out there. And then you go through these stretches right now where, you know, it's heart attack Hendricks. I, I know that's a it's a phrase that um, Anthony and uh, Sean like like to use, but it's just really frustrating to see from him. And I think the biggest issue with him just overall through the entirety of this season has been the lack of consistency and command with his secondary offerings. And I think that is what's made things so problematic is he'll get ahead of guys. Oh, two, one, two. And then he's spiking two curveballs at 52 feet that aren't even competitive pitches. Um, That's a problem. 
You know, there's really only been one closer that I can remember that was able to be a one pitch pitcher and live to talk about it. And uh, Liam Hendricks ain't Mariano Rivera. Right. Yeah. So uh, just hey, at the end of the day, the White Sox won this game. They did not let it slip. They hashtag set the tone for the series with a win, which have been hard to come by this year. We know that we had the counter going uh, for a while there and talking about series opening uh, records there, but uh, able to do it against a good team and snap uh, a Mariners. Was it seven game winning streak that they were up to there? Yep. And yep. I think that's big. I know there were circumstances surrounding them uh, with, with the massive rain delay and then uh, playing late at Cleveland last night uh, and then making a cross-country flight coming out here. But, hey, that's what you need to do. You need to take advantage when the circumstances are in your favor, something that you need to take advantage of, something the White Sox haven't done consistently this year, but we're seeing it at a good time. Hey, um, I'm happy. That's a winner. Crack some victory beers. That's right. That's that's all you can do at this point. So this team has now won five out of their last six, starting to build a little bit of positive momentum here. Minnesota did what they did against the Yankees earlier today. So right. that helps. Going to pick up a little bit of ground right there. Um, Cleveland is up on Kansas City at the moment here. You never know. Uh, maybe the Royals have a little bit of magic with nine outs left to go. Would certainly be beneficial there, but Sox, you know, this is a pivotal seven game road trip out west. I talked about this at the beginning of the show. Historically, West Coast has been a house of horrors for the White Sox. And if they can find a way to win these two series here, they will be positioned pretty nicely um, next week with Colorado coming into town for a couple of games. And that's a bad Rockies team. And then you got that makeup game in Cleveland on the 15th here. So you're starting to see they can position themselves to where they have everything right in front of them. And it's then up to them whether or not they can take advantage. Right. Uh, let's see it. I'd love to see it. All right, here, let's go and talk about that very next game here, Steve. It'll be Johnny Cueto versus Logan Gilbert uh, for Tuesday night's matchup. That's an 8.40 p.m. Central time start on NBC Sports Chicago. So, uh like they had mentioned on the broadcast, a little bit of uh, contrasting styles here. Obviously, Logan Gilbert, very nice uh, young pitcher that the Mariners have uh, going for them. Johnny Cueto, seasoned veteran who has been a rock for the White Sox. Run it down for us, Steve. Yeah, really significant contrast between what we saw today from Marco Gonzalez, uh, crafty left-handed pitcher, you know, who's going to work guys away, 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 and then just establish uh, – fastball on the inner third of the plate just to keep guys honest logan gilbert i mean you're talking totally different approach out there this is a guy 95 96 elevated fastball hard biting slider down and away they're trying to change eye levels on on the hitters so the offense is really going to have to go out there and put themselves in position to be dangerous try to work themselves into some good quality accounts gilbert's got some really nasty stuff i mean we we got to be totally honest about it these next two games uh, with Gilbert first and then Luis Castillo on Wednesday, this is going to be a big step up for this team. And so we're going to see what this offense is really made of. We're seeing them start to elevate the baseball and hit more home runs. And it is coinciding with this nice little hot stretch that they are on. So it would behoove them to be able to do that again tomorrow. As far as John Cueto goes, just go out there and keep doing what you've been doing pumping strikes. They showed the graphic. He's not going to get a lot of swings and misses. He's not going to get a lot of strikeouts, pitch to a lot of contact. It's a big yard out there in Safeco field. So I would really like to see them have more of a defensive focus out there. Hint, hint, no Andrew Vaughn in right field again tomorrow. 
Miguel, if you're listening, which you should be, um, that would definitely behoove this team. And you know, Johnny's going to go out there and he's going to compete his nuts off because that's what he does. Right. Yeah. And the, the, you basically would have to, you, the only one you can really dig in, I think, as of late, was that Arizona start. And once again, not even all entirely his fault uh, in that game. Other than that, just been an absolute rock for the White Sox. So it will be interesting to see. All right, let's field a couple of questions here before we close it down, Steve. Um, pertaining to that game that we were just talking about here, how early is it too early to start drinking for an 840 start? Hey, I, what time are you waking up, Sal? Yeah. The, and I also, you know, you can kind of keep like, you know, everyone's kind of feeling good after a long weekend. So, oh, yeah, you got a short week now here. Um, I would say I would suggest keep just keep it rolling, man. Uh, if you're if you're on if you're on the Labor Day weekend vendor, just keep it rolling. Um, that's the best way to approach this for these late West Coast games. Me and Tony will be on the post game here. Uh, so I have some victory beers with us, hopefully afterward. All right. Last segment of this will be about injuries. Um, just a few updates. We had, they got Moncada and Bummer back from their respective IL designations today. Moncada not in the lineup, did not see Bummer uh, out of the pen today as they went with Graveman and Hendricks there. But those guys are back, so that's the news. And then the other one is Luis Robert was back from the tourney list here uh, and obviously still looking uh, a little bit, you know, wincing a bit after some swings. So our guy Matt in here, Voodoo, says, uh, Nick said it on White Sox Twitter, could we please get Luis Robert a wrist brace or, I don't know, tape or something? thing please jerry it's not that expensive uh yeah I, I think this just hints though at the bigger point steve and that's uh Luis robert still ain't right no he he certainly is not and i think it's fascinating that you had miguel cairo insert him in the number seven slot in the lineup i think that is very telling the fact that they are not willing to put him towards the top part of the order in a position that is more production oriented and a position where he would see more at bats and potentially putting more strain on that wrist there. So that's going to be, I think a telltale sign for me is when you start to see him move up in the order is going to kind of be eye opening as to how he's feeling out there, but you can definitely see he's not feeling right. And in spite of that, that last at bat, he hits a ball oppo to the warning track I mean, that just shows the freakish tools that this guy has, that he's got this wrist ailment that he's been dealing with for about a month now and goes out there, doesn't even really square the ball up, and the thing goes to the warning track, oppo. So whatever they got to do, they got to figure something out here because you need that bat to be productive. We've all seen the heaters that this guy can go on when he's going good, and if you can get – Luis Robert on one of those for you know the last 10 to 15 games of the season that could be the difference between this team winning a division title or not well said there yeah like I said it, it just still doesn't look right I saw him wincing maybe a couple of times after uh he, he had gotten out and they showed a you know close-up of him running back to the dugout so uh, I just wanted to touch on that there's your socks on tap injury report we'll be back tomorrow uh socks on tap after dark yes that's right Sal uh Tony and I will be on the call here following that 8 40 p.m central time start so uh rest up and uh, get, get ready for it because we're ready to bring you uh, another winning edition uh, of Socks on Tap after dark. So thank you for everybody for tuning in here. Uh, we appreciate all of our comment, uh, commenters here. You can go and join them by subscribing to on Tap Sports on YouTube and on Facebook. Go and like us there, find the live stream, and drop your comments in there. We cannot see them from Twitter, so you got to do it on YouTube or Facebook. Friendly reminder to our Socks on Tap listeners. Go and visit ontapsportsnet.com for more content like Steve wrote about Lance Lynn's pitch mix, and it might just show up in a game recently. That's ontapsportsnet.com. 
And you can find us on social media at Sox on Tap and at On Tap Sportsnet. Stephen, it was an excellent long weekend. We got to celebrate, uh, the, you know, On Tap joining Sports Illustrated um, over the weekend in a suite, which was just too sweet. And now we get to talk about White Sox win uh, over a hot Mariners team here. So um, hopefully that sets the tone for the week. Until then, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.